So a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to do something that I'd never done in my life. Uh, do you guys like when you get those opportunities to do something that you've never done before? Um, for me, it's always interesting because you never know what you're going to get when you're doing something brand new. Uh, some of the guys here at school, they uh, have for the last couple of years gone up and worked for a company that I had no reason to believe even existed. Like It was one of those things that is such a little niche thing that uh, unless you are part of the community that uses this resource, you would never know it was there. Uh, and it's a company called Camp Baggage. Okay, Camp Baggage. Now, I want you to understand Camp Baggage is going to kids' houses and picking up their baggage to take it to camp. I mean, that's, that's what they do. They, they get paid money to, to go and pick up kids' bags and take them to camp. Uh, and I want you to understand these bags that we're picking up. Uh, I went up there. It was in uh, southern New York, northern New Jersey where I worked. But there were people who went all the way into Connecticut and into Pennsylvania and places like that. But the bags, uh, because these kids were going away for six or seven weeks, were probably two foot square on the end and about that long and stuffed to the gills with everything they might possibly need for camp. You know, clothes and toiletries and lacrosse gear and free weights and cases of bottled water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, there was an unwritten rule. It was a spoken rule, but an unwritten rule that if you touched a bag, you had to pick up that bag and you had to deal with it. And if you asked for help, then they were going to make fun of you for the rest of your life. I, and I know that that's true that they would do that because all week long I kept hearing about the Philly boys, which are guys from four summers ago that would double up on every bag. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that I follow through, that if I touch a bag, I get it. Now, these bags are duffel bags that are made to hold about 100 pounds, and they were putting 200, 225 pounds in each of these. And so they're lopsided, and there's boxes, and there's pinching your shoulder. I came home, and my wife thought I'd been going to a fight club because my back was all bruised and, squ- and scratched up. And, uh, but that, that's what I was doing. I was picking up bags and putting them on a truck and then driving to another big, beautiful house and picking up bags and putting them on a truck. And I say big, beautiful house because... There were only big, beautiful houses that we went to, uh, mainly because the camps that we were carrying baggages to were in the price range of ten to fifteen thousand dollars for that seven weeks of camp. Yeah, let that sink in. Let that just fifteen thousand dollars to send your kid away for seven weeks. Now, some of some of you, some of you are going, well, that might that sounds like a decent deal. Like that might be worth it. Uh, to get, rid of, to get rid of my kid for a week, that man, uh, but, or seven weeks. Would, but these people, uh, if, if you can imagine, they can spend that much on a camp session for their kid, and most of them had two or three kids, and then on top of that, pay $250 a bag to get their kid's bags picked up by camp baggage. You can imagine, they can pretty much buy whatever they want, right? Uh, and you could tell it in the houses that they we're living in you know we would go up to them and they would have big statues outside you know the the guy going you know stuff like that and then you know uh there was one that had a giant sundial and when I say giant I mean like it was eight and a half feet tall and all around sundial in their front yard that you had to drive around 
Um, but we were scared to clip it with the truck, so we had to walk that quarter mile to their house to pick up those 200-pound bags and lug them back to the truck. But we're doing this, and we're seeing all these big, giant, beautiful houses. And I'll admit, I, I mean, I will be completely honest, there were a couple times that I looked at these fancy things, and I said, man, what kind of choices did I make with my life? Uh, because that's what you do when you see fanciness. You go, man, what, what could I have done different so that I could have this? But really, that wasn't what impressed me most about the area. We were in cool places. Like, we drove around Princeton and picked up uh, bags, and, and that was fun. And um, Short Hills, New Jersey, and Suffern, New York, and stuff like that. And, and these houses were so immaculate. But the people on the road was what really surprised me. Because the people on the road did not care about any other people on the road. Uh, they, they drove very aggressively. In fact, they drove so aggressive that at one point I asked the guy I was driving with, I said, Anthony, buddy, why do you think these people are so aggressive? And he said, I don't know, Patrick, maybe they're just used to getting their way. And I said, man, that, that might actually be it. You know, that, that kind of makes sense. I don't know that it's true, but, I mean, if I had enough money that if I got a ticket or got in an accident or had to get a re- car replaced it, and it didn't put a dent in my wallet, I might would drive that way too. I mean, we got cut off so many times that I started looking at the front bumper of the, the truck when we get out to make sure it was still there. Like, this is what was going on. It was awful. And it was all because maybe... They just wanted to have everything just the way they wanted it. And they wanted to have it right then. Does that remind you of anybody? Maybe uh, this little girl here? Remind you of her? I want the world. I want the whole world. That's all the singing you ever get from Patrick. Um, but that's, that's Ruka Salt all up in a nutshell. If you don't remember, this is from the, the 1970s version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And this is Ruka Salt, the, the little spoiled rich girl that wants to have everything, and she wants it when? Now. now. I want it now. And she ends up going down the garbage chute, and uh, bad things happen to her because Ronald Dahl is a cruel, cruel man. But, But that's the way that it seemed that these were the people I was dealing with, people like Veruca Salt. But I don't want you to think that I'm just going to be up here rich shaming today because that's not what it's about. It's not about, you know, talking about how bad rich people are because it's really not just them. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that we've got a lot in common with those people that were driving so aggressively up in New Jersey. I mean, sure, we don't have big fancy houses with fences around them and a live-in made, but we want it now, don't we? We really want everything. We want the world. I mean, that's why there's 30 minutes or less pizza delivery. That's why they've got a timer clock at the drive through so that you don't have to wait so long to get your food when you drive through there. That's why in quarter one, the Nielsen Report, the people that check out who's watching TV, says that 72% of Americans use on-demand service, either through DVR or a streaming service, every single day. Because we want it when we want it. We want it right now. And we don't care what we've got to do to get it. We'll pay that money. We'll spend that time so that we can have it now. But is that the way it's supposed to be? 
Is that what we're supposed to be focusing on? Is that what we're supposed to be doing with our lives is seeking more and more and seeking it right now? I don't think it is. But at Venture Church, we we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And so I want to do that now. I want to dig in and see what, what Jesus has to say about it. For the last several weeks, we've been going through this series called The Beautiful Contrast. And, and Beautiful Contrast is looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the largest section of Scripture that we have where it's Jesus talking continually. Where it's just Jesus telling us one good thing after another, how to live our life, how to, how to do things, how to go about and where we'll be blessed and what we can do to be blessed. Last week, Chris took us through a section that, that talked about spiritual disciplines. You know, how, how we can learn to be better at, at following through. And it was physical things. It was things that when you do them, people can see. It was, it was stuff like prayer and fasting. It was uh, the way that we do our giving. Things that are visible. But this week, what I want to talk about is more, more internal focus. What are, we, what are we focused on in our hearts? What are we focused on in our minds which is a really difficult concept to, to present. But thankfully, Jesus is a better teacher than I am, and he knew exactly how to do it. We'll be in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. And if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, that would be a cool thing to do. If you don't have a Bible, there's some underneath some of the chairs. You can grab one of those and use it today. If you don't have one at home, you can take it home with you. We give those away for free, and we'd be glad for you to have it. Uh, if you want to use your phone, you can do that too. Or the scripture will be up here on the slide behind me. But we're going to read Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. This is what it says. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, I can tell you how to figure out what your life is focused on. He says, look at the things that you're collecting. Look at the things that you're striving for. Look at the things that you are working toward, the goals that you have, and that will show you where your life is focused. It'll show you what is most important to you. Are are you so focused on living the American dream that you're working so hard on that that you don't have time to do anything else? Maybe you're so focused on that next promotion or that next raise at work that your relationships with your family are suffering. Maybe you're so focused on getting that next cool thing, the bigger house or the nicer car or the the cooler toy, that that's where all your energy is going right now. Let's do an experiment, all right? I need you to work your minds. Everybody say, I'm going to work my mind. There you go. That works. Uh, those of you that said it, it'll work for you. Those of you that didn't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I need you to think about something. Think about the most valuable thing that you own. The most valuable thing that you own. And by that, I, I mean the thing that if you had to take it to get some money for uh, fireworks later, that that would be the thing that gave you the most cash in hand. The most valuable thing that you own. Get that in your mind. Do you have that most valuable thing in your mind? The most valuable thing for me is probably my Lego. Uh, I've got a lot of them. That's why it's most valuable. Not that each piece is valuable, but that when you put the quarter million or half million of them together, there's a value there. And because uh, even at ten cent a piece, that's still more than uh, 
both of my vehicles put together. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Um, in fact, I should just make a car out of Lego. That would be difficult. That's what that would be. That would be difficult. But think about that most expensive, most valuable thing that you have. The thing that you work the hardest to obtain. The thing that you put the most time in on achieving. And I want you to hold on to that thought. Because that is a treasure that we have here on earth. And I want you to hold on to that thought uh, for a little while. Keep that thing in mind. Because Jesus, as he's talking about treasure here, he's really talking about our priorities. What has supremacy in our life? What is the thing that we put first And he's telling us if we focus in the right direction, treasures in heaven, that good stuff will come. But if we focus on this earthly thing, that we're going to have troubles. And this isn't the only place Jesus talks about it. Several times in his ministry here on earth, Jesus shares this idea of the dichotomy of heaven and earth and earthly things and and heavenly things and the eternal versus the temporal and all these ideas. But there's one place where he talks about treasure versus the kingdom of God. This is in Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew 13, Jesus is going through and he's just telling story after story after story that we call parables. And a parable is a a story that is earthly in nature but heavenly in meaning. And, And Jesus is telling these stories and right in the middle he drops this in. Verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he bought, had and bought that field. And he says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Jesus says, when you find that thing that is the top priority, when you find that thing that is your number one, you do whatever it takes to get it. You do whatever it takes to, to find that. And that's the treasure we should be searching for. Uh, back in the 90s, there was a movie that came out. Uh, you might remember it. Billy Crystal was in it and uh, a couple of other guys. And they were city guys. City slickers, you might call them. And they went out on a dude ranch for a vacation. And at one point, the old scary guy that was all gnarly and mean looking, looked like he could be a villain out of any movie ever. He's riding along with Billy Crystal, and he says, you want to know the secret to life? And Billy Crystal's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Tell me the secret of life. And he says this. He said that right there. That's the secret to life. Billy Crystal says, your finger? And it's like, no, no, one thing. One thing. Find the one thing that's most important, and nothing else matters. Billy Crystal says, well, what's that one thing? The answer is you got to find out that for yourself. The one thing. The one thing to focus on that makes everything else worthless. The one thing to focus on that makes everything else seem like nothing. That one thing might just be treasure in heaven. Because when you're focused on that, you don't have time for anything else. When you're focused on building up treasure in heaven, you don't have time for anything else. But how do we do that? How do we find this treasure? What is this treasure that we're supposed to be doing? How do we live this beautiful contrast out in our lives? Well, we do it by focusing on the things that have eternal significance. 
by focusing on the things that will matter, not rust away and fall away and be stolen and destroyed, but the things that will last forever. We'll gain that treasure in heaven by investing our time and our energy, even our money, into the kingdom of God. We gain treasure in heaven by taking time to teach our kids not just how to cut up a, a carrot and not cut their finger off or to catch a ball, but about the joy and the love that comes when you know Jesus Christ. We build up treasure in heaven when we take time to get into the Word and see what God is telling us so He fills us up and we can't help but share that message with the people around us. When we find a place to, to volunteer our time, to just shine light into dark places. Or when we stop, when we tell somebody about how Jesus is changing our lives. These are the treasures that we can build up that will last for eternity. These are the things that we can do that have eternal significance, that are not just for right now, but are for forever. So we've got to store up treasures not on earth but in heaven. Uh, we're going to keep going because there's more of the, the Sermon on the Mount we want to see. So let's go right into the next passage, our verse, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that, that light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay. That made perfect sense, right? I mean, it, it went right with the passage before it and right with the passage. I just want to take a second because there's some times when you're reading in the Bible. There's some times when you're, you're getting into it and you're studying and something like this happens. Something that you look at it and you go, I don't really know how to make that work. I don't understand what that's got to do with what you said. Did something happen between verse 21 and 22 that we're missing? Did, GD, did Jesus all of a sudden come up with some ADD and got confused? Or am I just missing something? And I want to challenge you not to give up. Not to just go, this is difficult, I don't want to figure it out. But to sit down and to, to look and to study, to read what's in front of it and what's behind it. Maybe even pull out a commentary, which is just a book that a scholar has written that has sat down and studied the Bible and said, hey, this is what I think it, it does. There's, there's some of them for free online that you can use in your uh, Bible app if you've got that. There's some commentaries in there. Or go talk to a, a Christian that you believe has done some Bible study. See what they have to say about it. But, but don't just give up. Because when I first looked at this, I was, I was a little bit baffled. It's like, how, how do I merge these ideas? How do I continue this message right here? And so I got into some commentaries. And thankfully, as I got in there, I found out that most of the commentaries said, well, when you first look at this passage, it seems out of context. I was like, oh, good. I wasn't the only one. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an idiot completely. Uh, but I said, if you can pull it all together, read it all at once, see it all at one time, then, then you might can find what Jesus is trying to say because he would have just been talking like I am and just going along. And he's like, oh, by the way, this thing and this thing and this thing. So let's go back. Let's read that all together and see what kind of picture it can paint. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, or your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of your body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Does that help? Can, can you see kind of what Jesus is doing? He's just asking a question. He's saying, what are you looking at? What is it that you're, you're focused on? What are your priorities? Because that is where your eye is. And if your eye is focused on things that are of light, then your eye is going to be healthy and your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is focused on things of darkness, things that are going to be destroyed, then you'll be full of darkness. One commentator, uh, commentator uh, one of the commentaries I read said this. It said, just as blindness makes a person's whole life one of darkness, so distraction by the things of the earth blind a person to God and lead to total darkness. And isn't that true? When you find yourself focused on the world instead of God, don't you kind of lose sight of what God's doing in your life? When you see all the bad stuff that's happening, when you see all the, the negativity and the hate in the world, doesn't it just kind of blind you to the good things that God is doing? Because it's true, the world is full of darkness. Just turn on the news and you'll see it over and over again. In every corner of the world, darkness abounds. But if we turn our eyes away from that, if we turn our eyes to Jesus, if we turn our eyes to the light of God, then we will be filled with light. And we can let that light course through us and fill us and push us out into the world where not only are we being light, but we're dispelling the darkness that is there. If the eye of the lamp is the body, or the eye is the lamp of the body, and your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That's what we got to search for. That's what we got to strive for is to fill up with that, to fill up with that light so that we can pour it out into the world because that is how we build up those treasures of faith and hope and joy and peace and love and goodness, treasures that will last for all eternity. Later in the book of Matthew, Jesus asked a question as he's doing more uh, teaching. And it's a question that really comes back to this, what are you focused on? idea what what is it your eyes are looking at but in Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 he says what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul Jesus says here you go this is the choice you can only choose to look one way you can look into the darkness or you can look into the light you can look into that that's going to be burned up and destroyed, or you can look to that that is going to be eternal, never changing, pure. And it's your choice. It's something that you get to pick. It's something that you get to choose. But it's something that you have to choose. You can't straddle the fence on this one. I mean, there are some things in this world you can straddle the fence on. You know, when you're picking fast food restaurants, you know, you want to go to Chick-fil-A or, or cookout. You can straddle a pencil now, and I'll be happy with either one. You know, if you're looking at uh, the idea of playing a video game or playing a board game, I'm good either way. It, it's all right. You can straddle that fence all day long. We can play both. It'll be great. You know, chocolate or vanilla ice cream, you can straddle that fence. It's silly, too, because key lime pie ice cream from uh, Brewster's is better. But, I mean, you can straddle that fence. But this isn't one that you can do that on. You see the point? You know, there's some things that are okay to not choose. 
But not choosing here is a choice. Because unless you choose to look at the light, you're going to find yourself looking at darkness. And so we have to pick. Jesus actually goes through in the next verse and tells us exactly what's going on. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 6, he says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. You can't do it. You can't want all the good things of this world. You can't want to fight for those and strive for those and work hard for those and focus everything in your life on getting stuff here and expect to make it to eternity. It just doesn't work that way. God wants your all. God wants you to be focused on him, wants you to to follow after him with all that you are. Jesus is an all-in kind of God. But it's a choice that you have to make because it's impossible to do both. Last week, I was the drama director for the music and drama camp at Roanoke Christian Camp. And uh, it's something I've been doing for a really long time. Uh, I've been the drama director for the last 16 years and was a camper for the two years before that. And I've been doing this. And what we do is we take kids on a journey from learning a one-hour musical to performing it in two and a half days. Yeah, two and a half days. And one of the biggest things that I tell these kids over and over again is that in your choice lies your talent. And the things that you choose, in the way that you choose to pause, in the way that you choose to stand, in the way that you choose to move or to act or to say or to inflect, that's the difference between reading and acting. And it's a lesson that I've taught for years, knowing that it's the same thing in our walk with God. The choices that we make and how we stand, and how we talk, and how we interact, and the things that we choose where we volunteer, and the things that we choose where we sacrifice. Those are the things that show the world where our goal is. Those are the things that show the world where our heart is, where our treasure is. Because it's those choices that define who we are. And so we've got to focus. But what do we focus on? How do we, do we just say, oh, well, I'm going to focus on God, and that's all i got to worry about? No, it's got to be bigger than that. We've got to have some more detail than that, right? We've got to know more about what's going on. And, and so, thankfully, uh, Paul, in the book of Philippians, gives us a really cool list of things to focus on. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and this is what Paul says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In the New American Standard Version of the Bible, it says, let your mind dwell on these things. And I like the way it says that because it says, let it be your wheelhouse. Let it be where you live. Let it be where you, where you make your home. It's on these things that are true and noble and right and pure and excellent and worthy of praise. Can you think about something that's all those things? Can you, can you figure out something that's all that put together? How about Jesus Christ? Isn't he excellent and worthy of praise? Isn't he 
noble and right and pure. We can focus on him and what he has done for us. Because he is the real treasure. He's the treasure that was hidden in a field. He's the pearl of great price. It is his glory. It is his salvation that he brings to us that makes it all worthwhile. Because we want to think about amazing things. And we fix our mind on those things. It'll direct the rest of our life towards those things as well. Because that's the way we are. We're like horses. We just keep going the right direction wherever our head's going. Remember earlier I asked you to think about that most valuable, most expensive thing that you own. Do you have that still? Do you remember that? Has it been too long? I'll give you another second. Now I want you to imagine that your house caught on fire and you had time to run in and grab one thing. Is that thing of worldly value what you're going to grab? I know it's not for me. I can get more Lego. That's just stuff that's made. I can always go buy more. For me, it would be something more personal. Something that had a little bit more sentiment. Something that, that had a little bit more of my heart in it. Uh, in fact, I, I brought with me today what it would be. I got it in here so it wouldn't get messed up. But it's this. Ratty old piece of paper. Doesn't seem like much, does it? Stained. It's... Uh, that's dirty. My brother-in-law, uh, who is a, a chef, saw it from across the room last night when I was pulling it out to set, so I wouldn't forget it today. And he said, oh, that was like a recipe cart. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He said, what does it make? I said, I'm not sure. Uh, it's some kind of uh, fruit cake, cobbler, compote kind of thing. I've never actually had the heart to make it. But this is the only thing that I've got that I own that my dad wrote down. My dad who passed away about eight years ago. This is it. This is what I've got. This is irreplaceable to me. This is something that I, I cherish, something that I, I treasure, something that one day I am going to make for my kids and I say, this is something that your poppy used to make and I wanted to make it for you. But the fact is, no matter how hard I try to keep this safe, if I encased it in amber, if I made it a frame and hung it up on the wall like I've been meaning to do for the last 10 years, one day this is still going to go away. One day this is still going to be burned or destroyed or just disintegrate because it's paper. There's nothing I can do about it. The same thing's true of whatever it was you thought of grabbing out of your house. That treasure of yours that you wanted to make sure that you had, that you've made sure you had through all your moves and through all of your life changes. Treasures of this world, while they mean a lot to us right now, don't have eternal significance. So what we've got to do is focus on those heavenly treasures, those eternal treasures. Make an investment in a, a thing that is never going to go away. 
Invest in Jesus. Because that's a treasure that is eternal. And it's something that no matter where you are in your walk in, in Christ, you can do. If you've been there for forever, you can still invest more in Jesus. Invest more time, invest more energy, invest more of yourself. And if it's your first time in church today, first time ever hearing the name, you can invest just another week. You can come back again next week, hear more about this God that we serve, and see if we can't show you how good it is to store up those treasures. It's all about delayed gratification, Christianity is. Right now, things might be hard. But one day, we're going to be better than anybody else that's ever existed. Because we will be the princes and princesses of heaven. We'll stand with God Almighty, the creator of the universe. And there will be nothing but light. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you so much for the treasures of this world that you give us. The things that remind us of our past, the things that remind us of our loved ones. I thank you for those, even though one day they'll go away. But I thank you even more for the treasures of heaven that you allow us to partake in. For the glimpses that we get right here and right now at generosity, at love, at caring, at kindness, at compassion. At things that change people's lives forever. Help us to make that our focus. To store up treasure there. To be on your side. To make our eyes healthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen.